Make the choice to begin anywhere in your life, and the journey has started. We exist more than just to educate. We exist to also revitalize. And along the way, you can inspire others and be inspired. But now there's a new generation of scholars, and I am among them. If you really want to know who you are and what you are capable of, Howard is the choice for you. Take a moment. Listen to the stories by joining the president of Howard University, Dr. Wayne A.I. Frederick, and his guest on The Journey. While we all paused to celebrate Howard University alumna Kamala Harris becoming the first black person and the first woman ever to become vice president, we cannot afford to forget the urgency of this moment. President Biden and Vice President Harris now lead a country grappling with multiple crises, from the COVID-19 pandemic and the resulting economic downturn, and the aftermath of a violent insurrection of our nation's capital. With so much to do and so much at stake, this new administration has already gotten straight to work. Today, I'll be speaking with a political science expert on the priorities the Biden-Harris administration has shared thus far and what we can expect them to tackle first to address the many challenges of our country is facing today. Hello, my name is Dr. Wayne Frederick, and my guest today on The Journey is Dr. Ravi Perry, Chairman of the Department of Political Science here at Howard University. So welcome. Glad to be with you, President Frederick. Thank you. So rather than jumping right into business, let's talk a little bit about Dr. Perry first. So, Tell us, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what even got you so interested in an academic career in political science. Oh, I really appreciate that opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I was raised in Toledo, Ohio. I uh, consider myself a Midwestern boy, uh, the youngest child of two academic parents. Both my parents uh, were blessed to have PhDs. My mom went to Fisk University. Uh, my dad was the first black, black person to graduate with a PhD in sociology from Wayne State. And uh, my dad uh, was an ethnic studies professor at, uh, and black studies professor at two universities in the Midwest for 50 plus years. Uh, and he just retired a couple years ago. And my mom was a high school English teacher. And she uh, went on and taught Africana studies at the University of Toledo for many years. And so I was always interested in politics uh, because of the family background I grew up in. And uh, when I went to college uh, at the University of Michigan, I majored in political science and ended up getting two more political science degrees uh, at Brown uh, for graduate school. And I found myself uh, throughout my career thereafter uh, wanting uh, to have the same experience that my mother and sister had at HBCUs. And I applied to Howard uh, a couple times, uh, was not uh, identified as a finalist then. And luckily, this uh, opportunity came along. I was really excited to join this community a couple years ago. My aunt and my uncle uh, both graduated from Howard in the 60s, uh, majored in music, and so uh, it's, it's a really great honor uh, to be able to lead this department. The same department that my mentor at the University of Michigan, Dr. Haynes Walton, was the first graduate to get a PhD in government here at Howard, and he is the uh, preeminent scholar of black politics, which is, is my area of expertise, and I will say, which is the department's area of expertise, for the only department in the world that has a concentration in black politics as part of our PhD program. That sets us apart from every other PhD program in political science on the planet. Obviously, you would have had to be a rebel to avoid getting into political science, <laughs> is, is what it sounds like. So that's so we, we, we extremely um, pleased to have you as chair of the department. So we're going we're to jump right in on the issues. Now, first and foremost, the historical significance of what we've witnessed um, with the inauguration of 
vice president has, especially as it pertains to black politics. And I'd love for you to also comment on black women in politics in terms of that significance as well. Wow, so of course we're so proud in the College of Arts and Sciences to have uh, uh, Senator, now Vice President Harris, uh, of course, ascend to the highest uh, land that any woman has ever ascended to politically in this in country's entire history. That's so significant uh, for women. It's particularly significant for African American women and, and women of, of African descent and black women here in the United States uh, because it really shows finally that they have been uh, received and heard by the party uh, because the party leaders have identified black women uh, to lead the party itself. And that's important because it's been black women that have been really the vanguard of local and national politics in this country. We saw how Georgia flipped uh, two Senate seats for the first time, are in Democratic hands, the first time ever in modern American history. Uh, that was all because of the work of black women, namely Stacey Abrams, the former House Minority Leader in Georgia, and of course the former gubernatorial uh, candidate uh, who many argue was robbed of of the election. Uh, and so, you know, it's been African-American women that have been at the forefront of, of certainly Democratic Party politics, the same group of women that made Joe Biden the actual nominee because they came out on under the uh, support of Jim Clyburn in South Carolina at the primary last spring. And so to have Kamala Harris represent uh, not only uh, Howard University, and uh, not only HBCUs, and not only AKAs and African-American women, uh, but to represent all women uh, and to represent the red, white, and blue around the world uh, as the first ever female vice president is something that we all should be very proud of. So let, let's get in a little bit on the details of the actual election results because when you look at the areas where Democrats had to win and ultimately did win, Michigan, the Pennsylvanias, um, Wisconsin, and then you look uh, in the South where they had some surprises, I would say, in, in terms of at least Arizona and in Nevada, toss-up uh, that, they, that they cleared the bar on. What role really did black voters play? Did black voters really deliver uh, the victory uh, to Biden-Harris in those areas? Was the turnout that strong? And then when you go back to Georgia, in a runoff election, which is set up to disenfranchise the black vote, um, there was delivery there, but, but are we overstating the case or is there empirical data that supports that case? There is empirical data that supports that. Uh, uh, many of uh, my friends and colleagues from the African American Public Opinion Research Firm and some, uh, some other organizations have, have documented uh, the actual African American influence. Uh, but what's really exciting about this current election, as you just referenced, President Frederick, is that the black turnout in 2020 was significantly different in those key Midwestern states of, of Wisconsin in particular, in Michigan, in my home state of Ohio even, even though that it did not flip, and also of course in Pennsylvania. The, most of the same states that had significant uh, uh, lower numbers than what were expected because of misinformation turned around in 2020 and we know it was African American turnout particularly among millennials uh, and particularly among African-American women. You're listening to The Journey. My guest today is Dr. Ravi Perry, chairman of the Department of Political Science here at Howard University. So election behind us, um, time to govern. Uh, the Biden administration, uh, President Biden specifically, sat down at uh, his desk in the Oval Office and uh, signed 17 
executive orders on a wide range of issues. So let's spend some time kind of dissecting that, especially as it pertains to speaking to African-American issues. Yes. So first, uh, climate change, rejoining the Paris um, Climate Accord. What, what, what are your views in terms of how that impacts African-Americans, and, and is that a, a topic or, or concern? And if it's not, are we not doing a good job of communicating that to them? So, you know, one thing that is clear is that African-Americans have been in, in the United States, in particular, one of some of the primary victims of environmental racism. Uh, because many African-American communities are in close proximity to uh, companies that pollute and have been documented to pollute, there's all kinds of lawsuits and studies over the course of several decades that have led to, uh, as you well know, as the, as the surgeon yourself, a lot of uh, disproportionate health outcomes for African-Americans. And so uh, the, the environment is critical uh, for African-Americans. Um, and, and so the rejoining the Climate Accord uh, has a certainly uh, a, a targeted benefit for African-Americans because the, the focus um, that the United States was originally leading uh, in that accord before uh, President Trump uh, withdrew from it, uh, it was really focusing on our responsibility as a country to not only uh, ensure that we have appropriate emission standards and appropriate uh, um, air uh, uh, standards and appropriate water, clean water standards, et cetera, for our own community, but also as a beacon to the rest of the world. Moving on from, from climate, um, the Muslim travel ban, um, he rescinded that. Uh, in the middle of this pandemic, we've seen uh, our international student populations dwindle across the country. And obviously, especially at, at an institution like Howard, where we, at any, on any given year, we have students from about 46 states and maybe 61 or 71 countries. What do you think rescinding the Muslim travel ban uh, will do for relations in general, or foreign relations, and also do around the issue of having people come back and forth that may or may not impact the economy? As you, as you know, universities were really thrown for a lurch uh, during this COVID crisis uh, as a result of this ban. Uh, as, as we always are interested, of course, in protecting the rights of our students that come from all over the world uh, to study, uh, that, that really put a lot of their lives in jeopardy um, and their ability to stay here in the United States, which means that their education uh, was in jeopardy, which also meant that by t sending them back home, we may be putting their lives uh, in, in jeopardy given what some of their circumstances may be. And so that's really significant uh, that, that the president, uh, President Biden now, uh, uh, chose to make it clear that the Muslim ban was uh, absolutely no longer a policy of the United States, uh, and that he did that on day one. Clearly, controlling the pandemic uh, is a huge issue. And you look at the cabinet picks, um, there's been a lot of conversation about the diversity and or lack of it. What are your thoughts about a diverse cabinet? Well, so what we know, I happen to be a scholar on political representation, and what we know about representation, there's two main kinds. There's uh, substantive representation, there's symbolic representation, uh, which is often also referred to as kind of descriptive representation. There's, because there is this idea that when you see the first woman, the first Irish, the first disabled person, the first queer person, the first trans person, the first whatever, in a position of power, uh, uh, that you, uh, as a person who may share that identity, can have some reasonable expectation that those people will, in fact, do a little bit more for you because they share 
your experience. Uh, it's just funny that in this country we, we like to kind of pretend as though when it comes to descriptive characteristics that we can in some cases see, in other cases not. Uh, that that we somehow uh, want to put the, those notions aside, but but it's, uh, it, to be fair, it, it's something that we all do all the time. When it's ever, whether you're the first woman, the first Irish person, um, we all expect and get excited uh, by seeing someone uh, the first. I mean, what's exciting this you know in this I think for a lot of people and with this new uh, administration is that you for the first time. You have a president from a state school and a vice president from Howard University, from HBCU, where these are the kinds of schools that most black people go to. And so for the first time, that representation alone um, uh, is so important because, yes, there's a reasonable expectation that many of us have, certainly in the HBCU community, right, that perhaps there will be a little bit more attention paid to our issues than there were in the prior four years. And, mm. and that's what representation is meant to provide for us. And so uh, on that note, um, political science here as a major um, is increasing in terms of uh, the, the students who are applying. Um, they clearly uh, see an opportunity here. And this has been happening, I would say, pre-Harris. Um, so I certainly want to congratulate you and your colleagues. But as we close, uh, make the case for why Howard University political science at this point in time. Well, first of all, political science is the study of power. And so if you have any interest in, in learning uh, how to win and, and, and how to uh, come back from a loss, then, then that is what politics teaches you. And if you're interested in any way, shape, or form in doing something that will improve the lives of other people, it's most likely going to require you working in politics to achieve that. And so what's great about uh, our political science department is that we've been here since 1928 founded by, of course, the preeminent scholar, first uh, uh, black to get a PhD in the United States, former president of American Political Science Association, the diplomat, obviously, uh, 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 Ralph Bunch. And we have a diverse set of faculty uh, that teach in all the core areas in politics. And so you, you can come here, have the complete Howard experience, whether it's online or it is in person, uh, where we teach to the individual student where we want to ensure that we know who you are and we want to invest in who you are to make sure that you can gain the political knowledge necessary to go out and be a bison that then changes the world. That's our expectation and we've been proud to have been doing that for decades and so whether it's Vice President Harris um, or, or so many other uh, former uh, leaders that have gone through our department to go on to lead the rest of the world we can't wait to welcome you so you can go and do the exact same thing. Excellent. Thanks for being here. My guest today was Dr. Ravi Perry, Chairman of the Department of Political Science with Howard University. I'm Dr. Wayne Frederick. Please join me next time on The Journey.